Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. So, so what do you, Jeff, what do you fish? Uh, I mainly fish for largemouth. Largemouth, and you fish, what tournaments do you fish? Uh, right now, mainly just Bassmaster. Just Bassmaster tournaments? Yeah. And then some local pick-me-up stuff here and there. But I travel a lot, so I call those, like, I cherry-pick those. So if I'm in town, I'll pick, I'll fish, like, a Wednesday night or whatever. Right. But then the, the only circuit that I'm committed to right now is the Bassmaster Opens. What? What's the difference in these uh, circuit tournaments? Um, like I know you, you got Bassmaster, you've got MLF. Is the, yeah MLF? The, those are the two. FLWs one two right? Um, or no that, FLW. MLF now, right? Yeah, MLF bought out FLW. Okay. So the two major ones in the industry is FLW and MLF. So if you're looking in like baseball terms, that's um. Like major leagues and minor leagues? No. It's like it, National it, League and an American League. An American League. They're in the yeah. same level. They're just different companies putting on tournaments. That, that shit takes forever to figure the fuck out, by the way. Yeah. If you're not fishing the level, it's like you're like, oh, yeah, you're fishing this, but you're not fishing the fucking MLF series. And they're like, bitch, it's the same thing. It's just the opposite side. <laughs> and then what's the only time it changes? Who does the uh, – uh, is it the elites that do the catch and release? For total poundage, um, MLF does. That's their format on the. So each each one has their elite levels, and so the Bassmaster Elite Series is more your traditional, your five fish limit. Whereas MLF is, they they pick a a weight, and then you have to catch a fish that's like it's either a pound or two pounds or three pounds, depending on the the average of the fish in that body of water that they're fishing and then so if you catch a fish over three pounds then that counts towards your total weight for the day and then uh they run that that way but i fish the the Bassmaster series and that's the more traditional five fish over a certain length and then for three days the circuit that i fish is it's a, a cumulative weight over three days that takes your winner so if i don't <clears throat> If I well say okay, so I know very little to nothing about tournament fishing, but when I think bass tournament, like I see bass tournament on TV, what am I watching there? That's most likely the bass master. 
originally as Bassmaster, but now with MLF being more involved with the the media side of it, now you're seeing both. You know, the American, yeah. If you don't the pay American. attention, the little icon in the top left corner whether it says Bassmaster or MLF, yeah. and you don't pay attention as to whether they're trying to catch five and put them in the live well or they're just catching them, weighing them, and throwing them back, you literally wouldn't know the difference because the names are all in it mixed too. Like, I couldn't tell you half of the dudes I follow that are anglers. Like, online, and I follow them each tournament, whatever. I don't, I don't know which circuit they fish. I just watch their tournaments. So, so you have to you have to follow this tournament? Like, say, right, like, they just did, they had that, was it MLF had the one on the Harris chain? Yep. Yeah. Right, so where's their next tournament? That was the last stop. Was that the last stop MLF? Uh, for that division, yeah. For that, that division, that, yeah. That okay. division was Toyota Series, so that's the same level as the Opens for Bassmasters. So okay. the, Toy- the Toyota Series and the Opens are pre-qualifiers to get to their elites. Okay. So I don't fish MLFs, um, so I'm not 100% on all their their rules to qualify for the elites, but for the Bassmaster... Um, through the opens, you can either fish one division. There's there's three different divisions. There's a southern, central, and a northern. So you can pick one division and and finish overall and the top three, and that gives you a seat to the elites. Or you can fish all divisions, all three divisions, and if you finish top three in points for the year out of all, against everybody who fished all nine, that also gives you a seat to the elites. So you follow, say... Like the Bassmasters, I don't know how it works. Say they opened up at the Harris Chain, right? You fish there, and then how long do you generally have? But like to your next tournament in whatever state. It depends on if you're fishing all nine or one division. So Let's say you're fishing all nine. Could be two weeks, could be a month, but they start off in either February, March, and end in October. So I'm only fishing the Southerns. So I have I'm on downtime right now because we've already fished two out of the division and my last one's in october but right now they're fishing the central and the northern divisions so those guys are competing right now so if you fish all nine from the beginning of the season to october you're you're gone damn and then the same thing with the elites so once you qualify for the elites there's nine there's nine division or nine tournaments and they travel all over the country. And and if you qualify, you have to fish all nine for the elites. And you have to pay for that up front. Yeah, the cost is the, co- the yeah, reason the you wouldn't fish nine. Grand <laughs> oh, for, shit. For one season on the elites. Pull that's that's that not including, that's not including like a fucking showing up two weeks early. To no, that's just entry fee. Gas, hotel fees. Yeah, like, say, so that's just your elites. That's not including like. Your entry tournaments that you fish, that's just after you make it to the elites? No, if, if you want to fish the, if you qualify for the elites and you want to fish, the, you have to pay 35000 Up front, that, just, that's just the entry to, fee. Just to fish the events and then all oh. your costs of travel and all that other shit. That's how, like, we linked up was like, hey, I've never been here before. You guys whacking them? And I was like, I don't know. Uh, me and Brad were on the boat and he was idling through the canal and I was like, I don't know, you're going to take me out of your boat? Dead ass, didn't I? Yeah. I was still on the old fishing ski and I was like, that thing looks sweet. We should go for it. And, we <laughs> and he was like, fucking sounds good, buddy. I'll meet you three up a couple days. And then ever since now, when he's in town, we try to help him and you you really like start to understand like how fucking expensive it is. And you're like, like now when he's in town, I'm like, bro, you got an air mattress in the spare room. Like the whole family's tight with him now. We're like, whenever you want to come into town, he's actually linked up with another dude 
that so Ian gets excited when get. Uncle Jasmine shows up. Yeah, he, he called him that talking <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that was his nickname for me. He was talking, talking shit. shit. What is that? <laughs> he was like, "Okay, Uncle Jasmine." We were like, "That shit's sticking." <laughs> <laughs> and then I think he hit me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you hit him first. <laughs> but yeah, you like that's how. From my understanding, that's how that's how you fucking. It's it's a struggle. From what it sounds like. I've like I yeah. want a desperately yeah. to do it. I but never yeah. like I can't afford you know, it. I, I always thought that like obviously it's expensive because I mean if you do good those guys make some money. Yeah, they can. Yeah, but uh, but God, thirty five thousand just to enter. But then yeah, you but look at all the dudes. That, that's like a, that's what we've talked about. Then that's we're Jeff's got the idea uh, of a, a business opportunity that he wants to take that I'm all in for, but. You have to do something else. You look at all the major guys, and that's I was confused too. And Jeff's like, look at all your major guys, like Edwin Evers. Look at, you know, even Swindle with 13 Fishing. You look at all these dudes that are big, big names, KVD, you know, Skeet Reese. They have their own stuff. They sell rods, reels, baits. They sell all this other stuff yeah, that to make series. money. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah, you look at their career earnings, and you're like, Oh, they've won, you know, $1.25 million in career earnings. That shit's fucking... If you ask me, that shit's gone. That's, yeah, $35,000 just to enter, yeah. In, just in gas money. Like, he yeah. comes down and graphs for a month. Yeah. It's $300 to fill up the truck and the, bo- and the boat all together. Yeah. yeah, your canoe trips has pretty much been my life for the last year and a half. Well, that's not terrible, except <clears throat> canoes are a lot better on gas than bass boats are. That is true. <laughs> Especially when you like to drive them wide open. So before we get any further into this, let me go ahead and introduce everybody. I'm your host, Will Krebs. we got Jordan in here tonight. Let's get it. You guys have heard Chris before. Chris? Hello. And we've got Jeff. And Jeff, as we've already discussed, uh, do you consider yourself a professional bass fisherman? Or just a tournament angler? I guess tournament angler. Um, yeah, I guess I'd be professional. Okay. I'll take your word for it. He says, I guess. If you want to call me that, yeah. Like, Jeff, what do you do when you wake up in the morning to go to work? Fish. Yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) That right there qualifies you as a professional. And that's kind of odd, though. You think about that. Because you're right. If you you wake up in the morning, what is your job to do to go to work? You're going to go fish. Well, then, therefore, your profession is to be a bass fisherman. Therefore, you are a professional bass fisherman. Yeah. We, I mean, even the people who are in the NFL who sit on the bench the entire season, they're still professional semi, football semi players. Semi-pro. Semi-pro guys. Yeah. Same thing. Still professional. Yeah. yeah. If, you're, if you're semi-pro, um, minor leagues. Yeah. You, no, you're You right. think they're working a nine-to-five? You're getting paid money to play the game, <clears throat> which is us. Yeah, you think about it. Get, yeah, professional basketball. Maybe had a professional basketball. Yeah, but so studio. Man, correct me if I'm wrong, but. In, in bass fishing, you don't get paid unless you do good. Correct. Unless yeah. you got social media or some kind of sponsorship deals. But with the how social media is taken over, it's really hurt all the anglers um, in the sense that everybody puts all their stuff out for free. And so companies don't have to pay the anglers like they used to. Um, so you they're not. They're not worried about a representation as much because they already represent themselves on social well, you, media. Well, that and you have so many guys that are trying to be famous that will just put up a bunch of information online for free and, and market the product for 
with little to no experience yeah. for nothing. And so they don't, there's no, there's no need for them to pay. So most of your pros out there are all, all starving financially because of it. Well, that's the difference in, uh, and I, I think that. So uh, you need a sugar mama to do this. <laughs> you get, <clears throat> but I was going to say the difference in a professional and what you see a lot is become common is pro staff. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people have a misconception that pro staff means professional staff. That's what it should mean, but it means promotional staff. Yes, and that yeah. and, I, and I think that is wrong. I think the promotional staff should be changed to ambassadors. Yeah, and pro staff should be your professional anglers or whoever in whatever industry you're in. Right. If you are paying a company to be on their pro staff you are not a professional but jordan jordan to touch on your point though to to clarify that like you look at the front of my boat that's all mirrored off of his in the sense that like i run you know a a man called a ultrex on the front of the boat which i absolutely love wouldn't trade it for the world hummingbirds wouldn't trade those in for another unit if i could you know, for what I have, like I'm, I'm happy to have those brands on the boat, but they're not contributing anything to me. But go somewhere else, like show up to one of these tournaments, and start looking at decals and stickers. Like, what's the only one on mine is y'all's company, and then a personal sticker from, you know, I think it's an old unit sticker that's on there. But you go to these tournaments and you see like, Lou's, Hummingbird, Lawrence, you name it. It's, it's all over the boat. And it's okay because they're, I mean, they're, you can't really knock them because they're happy. They got a, you know, right. got a sticker. They paid their money. They got a sticker for it, but they're already repping the brand and the brand's not giving them anything for it. So it's so flushed. It's so washed that I like, look at his boat and I'm like, you're fishing at that level. 90% of those dudes are just out to get their boat wrapped. Some of them are paying for it themselves. Right. Most of them are. To put another company's name on their boat. Yeah. It's your I, career, you're paying. Yeah. No. Yeah, I get it. To do that, now you're, you know, it's the, one of the rules is look I, good while doing it. But <laughs> come on, I mean, looking cool is half the half the battle. Yeah. I I do think though it's an image. It is. What we do gain from the people that even that aren't pro staff that'll go and, and rep these products is that you. I, as a consumer, feel almost as if I can get a more genuine feel for a product versus someone who's who pays, who's paid to talk about a product, right? Yeah. I mean, we You're don't... a more honest opinion. Right. <clears throat> we don't push many products. The only one that we push that we are actually paid by is has more outdoor products. And... I would not have ever reached out to Hasmore to have them on the podcast and all the other stuff had their damn climber seat not been so freaking comfortable. And it just started because, I mean, that thing right there is the shit. I want to talk to you about it. And we were talking great about them well before they ever started. They became, they became our sponsor, yeah. uh, one of our sponsors. And <clears throat> it's it's a wonderful thing because he saw what we were doing and pushing the, the products he has because we truly believe in what he's got. I mean, Jordan took a three hour nap in a climber in the I middle did. of the day in that seat because it's so comfortable. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and push things I don't like. And I've had people approach me before and they're like, Hey man, will you, will you, we'll get you some of this stuff. And 
Uh, if you just talk about it on the podcast, I'm like, yeah, but that's garbage. Yeah. I'm not going to tell people to buy garbage. And that's what you're seeing a lot with all the guys with the rap boats and stuff. They're, mm-hmm. they're just, they got some kind of deal. Most of them is it's not shit. And they're getting some kind of kickback for it. Right. I was going to say, you would be surprised even too how much having been around the, the industry a tad bit, how many people get paid to use a product and then use a different product, but then B-roll them using the product that they're paid to. Use. I would say that happens a lot. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, it speaks if, like if volumes. Not with everybody. It, de- yeah. it definitely speaks. Like volumes, saying, just just in like the media industry itself. Yeah. Yeah. I think it says volumes if you're not. Part if you if you choose to go the different path, which is why, and me and Jeff talked about this. I've met, God, I don't know, probably a fifty or more, either pro anglers or semi-pro anglers just fishing the chain every day where like me and Jeff hit it off simply because of that, like the work ethic that he's got, like the, the amount of hours either on the water. Like if we're not on the water, this dude will drive an hour and a half and we'll literally just talk about like, how'd you do on the water? What, you know, right. Patterns, whatever. Just talk fishing. Yeah, exactly. So you've with the entire, you know, industry washed like that with the sponsorship thing, you've, (laughs) the passion has got to be there. Like they talk about like, Oh, you've got to want to do it for a living. They don't, I don't think that even touches the surface of it when the money's, you know, you've got, you basically got to pay, pay your way in just to get into the, the entry fees. And then to be able to compete on that level with that work ethic, it's, it's, it's insane. So I got a, I got a question for you, Jeff. Yep. The, the brand Humminbird has been tossed around a few times. <clears throat> and I told Chris this story last time we were fishing together. I'm fortunate enough to know. Uh, a guy who is very good friends with the guy who owns Hummingbird up in Alabama. Yeah. Do you know how they got their name? I do not. So <laughs> he was he was talking to the 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 mutual friend of ours, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it I'm gonna call it Hummingbird." He says, "You're never gonna get that name patented. It's too common. You can't call it Hummingbird." He's like, "Well, I already got it," and he was like. Let me see it. So he hands in the patent paperwork and he looks at it. H U M M I N B I R D. He said, that's genius. He said, what? He said, you left the G out. And he says, there's a G in Humminbird. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That is awesome. So that's how he got Humminbird instead of Hummingbird. Hmm. But only in Alabama. Learn something new every day. Yeah. yeah. Sounds but, like an Alabama thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was uh I was supposed to get a chance we were we were trying to get a chance to go tour the factory last time I was up there but we did not get around to doing that but yeah. <clears throat> they have a great a, unit yeah I've seen there's they've been around for a long time mm-hmm. a long it's time. hard though because you find having two now and then fishing on other people's boats that have the Garmin's you find certain things you like about every yeah. brand and that's not to knock or promote. Yeah, I don't think you have a sponsorship with any. No, I run all three units. Okay. And I don't, I've I've got the hummingbirds now, but I bought all rants the first time. My imaging now is 10 times clearer with the hummingbird. The side imaging is 10 times clearer than it ever was with the Lorance. Yeah, hummingbird, hummingbird has the best side imaging technology on the market today. 
Yeah. You talk about Garmin and LiveScope. I mean, well, you think about how far they've come from when they started, when it actually showed up as just little fish on the screen. Yep. Versus what you're looking <laughs> hey, at. I now. Still, hey, hey, I still <laughs> use or, or that. Or back mode. with the flashers. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's, I mean, that stuff's come a long, long ways. Now and it's all, now we have live imaging. I can, I can watch fish as they swim. Really? In my bait. Yeah. It's, it's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. The, the front of my boat looks like an attack helicopter cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what keeps uh that's what keeps the guy in the clapped out fourteen uh, foot John boat with a tiller handle on the back from winning these tournaments, huh? Nope. No? No, I could win one out of those two. With no electronics? No electronics. Yeah? That's pretty confident. Skill. Yeah, I couldn't. I, a, could, I couldn't win. I couldn't win it with the most high tech dang that's a pretty, boat out yeah, there. That's, <laughs> when you get into like the fishing, Chris can even win it with his three. Do what? <laughs> Do what? What is it? Couldn't even win it with your three screens. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty common thing, though. I would say with the fishing community, like there's a lot of dudes that will real like recognize that and like joke about that. Like I'll see pros that come into town and they'll fish the opens and the Wednesday nighters with all of these like locals, and they post funny stuff where they're like. Don't care about the 12 guys running nitros and blazer boats that go 95. You see an old man wearing New Balances in that 14-foot John boat? Mm-hmm. He knows. He's he's mm-hmm. hunting yeah, off he, of memory. He's coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Remember, when, you know, remember yeah. when Grandpa used to be our fish finder? That's It's yeah. one of those deals. Right? His graph is in his brain. That's, that's, exactly that's who I want to talk to. Yeah. yeah. And that is that is one of those things. Even in the, the hunting community, like you can step out, hunt a piece of public land. You go to the local check station. There's always that old guy who's been hunting those same woods you were just hunting in for the last, he's 70. He's been hunting there since he was eight. Yeah. That's all he's ever hunted is right there. He knows exactly what tree you were in when you shot it. Oh, yeah. 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 And the crazy part is he'll talk. Oh, he'll, yeah, he'll and, tell and the, No one listens. No one takes the time to sit and listen. Like, even these tournaments that, we, that mm-hmm. I fish on the, on the much smaller level, you know, than Jeff's, you go to these. And if you just take the time to listen. But you're never, you ever notice when you sit down with the old timer like that, you never get straightforward information. They're never like, all right, if you go over here and fish the third dock with the green boat, that's where all the big ones are at. They're like, well, you know. We always got to keep secrets. Yeah, right. But they'll tell you, they will tell you in a very, but they would have to disagree on a certain level because I've had dudes at the beginning of tournaments. We've met with 80, I think one was 82 and one was. Uh, one was 83 or 84 in a brand new Vexus, $100,000 boat. And they're like, it's comfortable. We like it. We've been fishing tournaments together for the last 55 years. We're fishing a $40 entry fee with a hundred and something thousand dollar boat. <laughs> and they literally, you start chatting with them. I think me and Whitney were fishing uh, together in that tournament. And we're just anchored out next to them. And I'm like, man, you guys are living the dream over here. Like, I'm so, so jealous. You know, they made it that long and they're still passionate about it, about catching three fish. And these dudes are like, yep, yeah, you go over here and you cast this next to that. Let me tell you, you can do pretty well. You I'm get like, that, what? A lot of times, though, you get that real roundabout story uh, that starts back in 1950 when the fishing was really good and the lake was four feet higher and all this other stuff. <laughs> that's, and it circles that's part all of the fun, though. It is. That's, it really is. That's the experience. <laughs> but that I think that right there is what loses a lot of people. They don't want to sit there for 20 minutes to get that that information. But, dude, well, I will sit there. problem. Yeah. I will sit there it's all day and listen to them old guys talk. We've, we've lost that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You, t- you take a- away the technology with, with these new boys on the water, a lot of them won't be where they are. 
And it's it's a shame. I mean, I, they're, they're losing in touch with the roots. But I will I will say though, to caveat that I'm I'm happy with the people that I've surrounded myself with because of that. Because my kid will never, I mean, he's five now. I promise you, when he's 12, 13, and we're fishing the two mans, them graphs will not be on. Because yeah. that's how I started. And that's that makes me so proud to have my 20 spots that I've won three or four tournaments on just using those spots that I found with no graphs. Yeah. I found with a weight. I dragged across them and found those with a weight. And then, you know. Luckily, later I was able to see what they actually look like, <laughs> like live music. <laughs> Thanks to Joe, and I'm like, oh, that makes sense now. That's why they're there. But still, like you learn that on your own before you buy a graph. Yeah, and that's like the hard work is put in because those took me two and a half years to find. I was gonna say that's like you and Will and Brad went and fished like Olin. Yeah, he Will. took me. He took me back to my home turf, and I knew he got his all his electronics. I just put a whooping on him. He yeah. didn't know. Yeah. He, I did. he we really fish. didn't know. We How fish many at, fish did you catch? We fished at Lake. Can we just focus on how many? Uh, yeah. <laughs> can we can we can we give a rest in can we just give a rest in peace shout out to Bradley Hancock who uh, caught one sunfish? I think probably. Hey, you know what? Anybody who catches what he caught it on a rat on a uh, crankbait, didn't he? Was a crankbait or no? It was a worm. I don't remember. He caught a daggum bluegill on a bass throwing a bass sliver. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a big old. It was that big. <laughs> but uh, I went over there and just put a whooping on them. They're over there. Yeah, we fished that lake me. every afternoon for like 18 years. Yeah. I know you caught a buzz. I don't remember what else they you were. Uh, they were throwing. Y'all were throwing chatter baits on us. Dad, let me reach over here and grab this dang four or six foot how much, jerk bait. And started throwing it. Just wham. How much money do you think I lost that night in bait? Oh, probably. 60 I know the dollar. Bucks. I know the dollar amount. Sixty. It's, it's higher than that. <sighs> I know you lost that one. That was about twenty dollars on yeah, the bottom of the leap pad. Twenty yeah, five dollar bait. We lost that. <laughs> but they were throwing. He's like, "You just throw this or throw that." And I was like, eh, "I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw this jerk bait." One after the other, after the other, after yeah, the other. Yeah, he did. Like, he had to call Brad, it. Brad's like, "Hey, you got another one of those?" <laughs> so that's before the, we're showing a picture to Jeff now. But that's that's before the altered photo. We took another one. It's all about the angle. You take the angle of the photo right. You know, everything's everything's forgiven. But uh, You're they, right, though. It, you, you definitely, you guys grew up a block from that lake. Yeah. A little private lake. There is a huge advantage to, I think there's still a huge advantage to that when it comes to home waters. You, I didn't, dude, the amount of light electronics are fantastic, and you can obviously compete and win at that level, but there are still times, I think, that that firsthand knowledge it's going to kill you every time. And I didn't have a, a, a boat to speak of until I was, I was probably 13 when we got that John boat or so. And then even then we had a little, like a 30 pound thrust trolling motor on it, but we would take it down there to the, the lady that let us fish on her dock. We drop it in the water there and we drive around that lake with a trolling motor on it and fish out of the John boat. And that was, I mean, that changed the whole experience for us there. Being able to access more than just that dock. Yeah, I would say before that we were fishing off a two-story pontoon boat. That yeah, the neighbors yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, what you got to get to Jeff. You got to ask Jeff some stuff while he's here because I'm telling you, you're gonna you're gonna get some stuff out of him that you can't get from me. But to caveat that, I heard one of the the smartest things I've I've heard about fishing is that you stand on the bank and you throw as far away as you can towards the middle of the lake. You get a boat. First thing you do is you start throwing in the bank. Yeah. Towards the bank. <laughs> <laughs> So when you're a kid learning that, if you can, if you listen to that, you you hear that as a teenager, you're like, 
ah, that hurts because it's <laughs> yeah. so true. Yeah, it is. But you know, you get that access from a boat where you can throw up underneath docks and all that stuff. You know, right? But still, there there is a. I I catch, I catch some big bass in three or four inches of water where you wouldn't think they'd be. Oh, absolutely. all the way up on the bank. Yeah. So, Jeff, how did you get into fishing? Uh, originally, it was my my grandma and my mother would take me every weekend or whenever they could. And then at like 15, I was able to join my first bass club. And then did that for 10 years. Then moved, moved up the ladder and competed at a higher level back home in San Diego for three or four years. And then got all the titles that I could and then went to the next step. And that's where I'm at today. So how does bass fishing in San Diego compare to bass fishing in the Southeast? It's a, it's a lot different. Um, most of the lakes we're dealing with out there are like one square mile compared to the lakes that I've had to break down here for my tournaments. Now I'm looking at averaging like 45 square miles. Yeah. Some of them, you know, you look at like Santee Cooper, that's in like the 300 square mile range. Um, so just the amount of water you have, the coverage is one big difference. Um, one thing that I guess you could call it a misconception that I had from coming from the West coast out here is that it was going to be easier Yeah. just because all the, what you see on TV and stuff and with more water, you'd think you'd be less pressured. And I don't think that's the case. No, I think the weather allows more people to fish more often. Well, that is another thing back in California, our lakes are restricted on when you win and when you can't be on the water. There's days it's open and times you can't be on the water at night. Um, it's all, most of our lakes are only open like three days a week. Um, compared to out here, you can go to any lake at any time and launch. Yeah. Um, and then you have tournaments from every level. You could fish tournaments five days a week if you want to anywhere out here in the South, pretty much. So these lakes never get a break. But, you know, we have so much water, but then you have your super popular chains. Like you've got the Harris chain here we're at, and then yep. you've got the Johns. And then those are the ones that get hit heavily with tournaments. You don't see um, tournaments on like, the Holly the, chain. <laughs> the Holly chain and, and lakes in the forest. Yeah. And, Stuff like that, but there's, I mean, there's, there's some pretty dang good fishing up in the forest. Yeah, which is because um, they're not getting the the pressure, same fishing yeah. pressures as the other ones. So the reason those those lakes get the fishing pressures because that's where the major leagues go. Right. Yeah. So the practice, everybody goes there. So then they have their lower levels, so people get experience, and then that well, that and, and then it becomes a, a recognized name. Yeah. Somebody's like, oh, I want to go fishing. And then they go, oh, yeah. I've heard that name before. It becomes a destination place. Right. So they, they go there and they fish. And all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. You ever fish the uh, Rodman Reservoir? I have not. I've heard no. about it. I haven't been up there yet. Yeah, I've heard that's really good bass fishing up there. Yeah. Well, the, that's that's what I've heard. But my time so far down here has been on Kissimmee Chain and the Harris Chain. Um, with the most time being on the Harris Chain studying that lake. So when did you start fishing tournaments? 15. 15. Well, my first bass tournament was 15. My first tournament was, I think it was seven or eight. Okay. So little kids derbies, stuff like right. that. 
Right. Uh, because back then it wasn't as big as the thing it is now. Now there's high school leagues, college. Yeah. Like that wasn't a thing when I was growing up. You had to have a a parent, a legal guardian to join a, a fishing club in order to to join it because it was 18 and up at that point, and it's just you know your locals. Right. Um, there was no avenues for kids or or nothing like that back when I was growing up, going through the the ladder, I guess. That's interesting. So, old were you in your first professional tournament? Um, I would say my first, probably about a year and a half ago. I would say Bassmasters would be my first actual professional. Um, I fished one in twenty twenty up at Clear Lake that you can consider a professional. Um, so that's semi new to me, but I've all my whole life has just been bass fishing. So yeah, I've studied everybody. Right. So who is your, I would say all time favorite bass Rick fisherman, Lund. Rick Lund, Rick Clund, Rick Clund. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> Uh, I think he's sec. I think he's ranked second overall to Kevin Van Dam, who's ranked number one in the world. I would say this year, they've kind of gone back. He's there for a couple of years. When I like, like, when did I start really fishing? Like three years ago, and for that whole first year, it was nothing but Jacob Wheeler. I mean, you'd see Skeet Reese a bunch. Yeah, Wheeler's KBD. Wheeler's the new, the the current Kevin Van Dam. Of the but industry. but this year alone. Within the last year, I've heard them go back and be like, you know what, Rick Klein deserves that that credit for who he is and what he's done. And then yeah. he still competes. I mean, yeah. how old is he now? He's got to be 150. Yeah, like 150. <laughs> <laughs> and the dude, and the dude will go out and he yeah. taught Bill and Dance how to fish. He's, he's top tenning. Uh, he's tournaments. way better than Bill Dance. Yeah, not not even close. I mean, <clears throat> but you does your recognizable names that have been around. Bill Dance, Hank Parker. Well, uh, those those guys got famous. They did. They had their time in the the tournament industry, especially Bill Dance and Hank, mainly Bill Dance. Um, but they got real famous off of their TV shows. Yeah, that was their big genius in the industry. Um, Bill Dance did do very well um, back in Bassmasters when it, you know, when it was in its early stages. Yeah. So he definitely has the knowledge as a, comp- a competitive angler. But like his, Rowan, Mar- Rowan Martin's about the yeah, same. Rowan, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you call those like the founding fathers in a sense with social media. I say Hank Parker still got a TV show. I know, and I know that because I know his cameraman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hank, Hank Parker. There was Jimmy Houston, Hank Parker, Rowan Martin, Bill Dance, Shaw Grisby. Yep. I think those. But Shaw, I think Shaw stayed more on the the tournament yeah. oriented side where the other guys were like, but he's still involved in it. Yeah. I think, he, I think they're all, most of those guys have, um, are behind the scenes of MLF now. Well, well I mean, I mean, oh, Hank, his TV show. Now he fishes some, he hunts some, he does a little bit of everything. Well, he's already made his name. He's, all right. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah I mean, all those yeah. guys are all They're, they're set They're They can kind of just do whatever they want. They've, they've made their name and they're good. But I still think the best bloopers in is Bill Dance. Best oh, she did Bill Dance, one hundred percent. So when you're showing up to a lake you've never fished, what what is that? 
what are you looking for to find fish? It, when you're a say, oh, so let me let me step that back a little bit. Can you can you can you back up one more step? <clears throat> I think there's something that he didn't bring up, Uh-oh. and the differences between California and here that I've heard him bring up a million times: depth. The depths of the lake, the lakes in California to here. What's the, and you can give this away. I'm sure this this, this isn't the problem. What's the deepest you've caught a bass on the Kissimmee chain or the Harris chain or anywhere that you fished in Florida recently compared to what's the deepest you've caught a bass in My deepest bass in Florida has been like six or seven feet compared to California, 50, 60 foot. Good yeah. Lord. That is an insane yeah. difference. And I'm and sorry d- to interrupt you, but you no, got no, no. to gotta bring that up. Because to me, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm like, I'm sorry, why are you deep sea fishing? Are you looking, <laughs> were you looking for I was gonna a say, marlin? Where, where, do you find, where do you find 60 feet? Uh, you got to find three things, right? You, to, you have to find, you have to be in the state of Florida, find 60 feet of water that's also fresh water and not a flowing spring. Where the bass can't hardly sit, stand to sit in there. Just a theory. I think that's why places like the Rodman. I would say the Rodman Reservoir is probably pretty deep. You get a place that deep where a bass has no problem no. controlling their no, temperature. No, the, the Rodman Reservoir is not deep. Really? No, there's there's trees and stuff yeah, sticking you, out of there. You okay. The, you got another lanes to run in there. Yeah, it's it's very shallow. Wow, I didn't when know the that. Wind picks up, it gets bad. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, like Robin uh, Reservoir, maybe eight or ten feet, something like that. I, I thought think I thought it was deep. Point is you like think eighteen reservoir, or twenty feet. You think, yeah. you know. So there are some deep spots in the Robin Reservoir because there are uh, springs. I want to say like I think Cannon Springs or something like that is one of them. It's a it's a fairly big spring, like a three or a four. But when the reservoir is up, it makes a hole, obviously 30, 40 feet down. But like I yeah. said, it's a spring. You're not going to have bass sitting yep. down there in the spring. You do get some striped bass. Uh, sitting down in there, but that's something he's big into as well. Yeah, well, I'm tell you, you oh, he's got some of those. We'll talk about that after the po- after the podcast. Um, but so, uh, so so deep is a relative term, of, depending on where you're at. So deep here in Florida is six, eight. six plus feet. Yeah, you know, you get in that ten foot range. And that that's that I would consider that deep here in, in Florida. Yeah, compared to you go fish California, fishing ten feet, that's shallow. <laughs> like yeah shallow to me back home is zero to 15 yeah foot. Jeez. but out here shallow to me is like zero to three zero to four right so yeah, you got to bring the zero into the conversation yeah. <laughs> zero because <laughs> yeah. you'll see yeah. tails like redfish yeah it is still to me it's insane these days and, and that's that's a big part of it like why normal guys are able to compete that are from florida in my mind is because the electronics are great. Well, they're, Florida's they're, an equalizer in that sense yeah. that a lot of, with all the vegetation here, you can't use your electronics. So you have to go back to your instincts and being able to pick apart different types of vegetation. Perfect example, John Cox. Yeah. Look at Cox. This dude shows up anywhere in the country and goes, you know what? There's a couple of fish up shallow too. And that's all I know. He's from, I think, Deland, right around the corner. And that dude will terrorize people in tournaments just fishing shallow. I'm sure he's got an offshore bite or two in, in the pocket, but yeah. that that zero to three foot is major. That's his comfort zone. Yeah. E- yeah. Each angler has their own style of fishing, you could say. Some guys like fishing deep. Some guys like fishing shallow. Some guys are all electronics. 
some guys aren't. I think I think electronics are good. You just have to find a happy medium. Yeah, them. yeah. Because you'll get stuck, especially now with the new live imaging. Like you'll get stuck watching watching your graph because you can see the fish right, there, and you can see your bait. And some fish just aren't gonna bite, and you can spend too much time because you can see them. Right, trying to get. That I feel one like fish that's to bite. that's like. Back in middle school, I had a math teacher that wouldn't let us use calculators because he said, you're going to start relying on your calculator, right? You're not going to know how to do math on your own. But he wasn't just, wrong. No, yeah, he was He was absolutely right. Jordan and had his just, shoes off during the count of 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you if you rely solely on your electronics, you're not going to know how to fish without them. Yeah, and that's, and that's what you're seeing happening with the younger generation coming up. They're all getting taught, like, electronics like this is how you catch fish and it's they're not completely wrong but you take you take away the electronics from these kids and these college kids they won't be able to compete because they'll they don't have the instinct but a different perspective or they have the instinct they just don't use it so they've lost it but a different perspective to that though just really quick i think that's a that's a a lot of people look at it as a bad thing and if you're fishing at your level I could see it being something where you're like, you have to have it. You have to have it, but you may not love it. To me, I love it. I don't have it. I don't have mega 360. I don't have live scope on my boat. And I wish I did, but I love it because it's like you get into fishing, you get into serious fishing. You look up to guys like you, you look up to guys in the MLF tour and you watch those guys fish and all they learn, but there's always something else. You can go out, and I've caught, I caught the biggest bag of my life the other day. You can go out and catch that, and then the next week, you can go out and zero. Yeah. You can start shallow like I have, and then look back and go, I don't know anything about you know, active target or live scope or any of these other things they have. There's always something live. more. So mega live. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's always something more. <clears throat> so it's, it's like never ending. To me, it's almost a good thing where you're like, okay, happy with this. I'm going to move on and try to expand my game a little bit. If you, uh, if you really want to learn a thing or two about fishing, I'll let you take my six year old son out, uh, because he will, he'll teach you. Uh, I'm yeah. sure he will yeah. <laughs> learn something uh, from everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> he could cast a fishing pole before he could walk. That's kind of how I was. And that was, it wasn't because I, it's not because like I am just ate up with fishing. I mean, I like to fish, I like to yeah. fish when it's not hunting season. But it was something that kept him entertained when he was little. So he would sit in a lawn chair in the front yard. Catching bluegill? No, in the front yard, just casting a rattle trap. Casting a rattle trap. Probably probably catching a neighbor's cat. (laughs) Casting a rattle trap with no hooks on it across the front yard and just reeling it back in. Cast it out, reel it in. Cast it out, reel it in. So, And then, you know, fast forward to the point where I'm allowing him to actually now have a hook when he can stand. And... Man, and not hook other people. Well, that's still uh, work in progress. Yeah, work in progress, and that's good. But it's also there's a frustrating point to that where I can relate to. Like we're the same age. We grew up together. We both have kids similar ages, and mine's not. Like we went out this morning, and I found a school of three, three and a half pounders to a five year old. That should be a monster. Yeah. And Daddy is sitting there. I had eight rods on the deck this morning. I could not throw a bait that they wouldn't eat. This this I set up on an offshore point, and they were eating, and he's like. Oh, I'm eating goldfish. But it's, but it's, he was he was eating too. He was he was eating goldfish, right? But but to me, it almost it's not a disappointing thing. Like he's enjoying the time we have on the boat, which I love. Right. 
but it's either in you or it's not. Like you're, Let either, me tell you, you're either ate up with it or you're not. My son will frustrate the crap out of you, you taking fishing on a boat. Yeah. Because he'll be up there and he's 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 a big bluegill fisherman right now. Yeah. And uh That's where we all start. Oh, right. He casts it out there and you're fishing. You'll be in the same spot for forty five minutes, not catch a daggum thing. I'm like, Hey bud, let's move somewhere else. I don't want to go. I'm like, why not? They're not biting here. Let's go somewhere else. We'll catch one right here, right here. He does not want to leave. He wants that's to catch just right, there. right here. I'm going to cast. I'm like, hey, cast against those lily pads. He goes, there's no fish over there, Dad. Whoosh. I'm like, okay. I think, I think his son is the next candidate for our third look at me on the captain now decal. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I used to take him uh, up and down the Altamaha River, have a little 12-foot John boat with a 9-9 Yamaha on the back, and he was, man, he was two, and he's in the front of the boat just – he sits up there in his chair. Whoosh. We sit there and fish. Like, you ready to go? We didn't catch any fish, Dad. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, well, what are we going to eat for dinner? I'm like, I shot a deer. We'll be fine. All right. You know? <laughs> there is a Publix. <laughs> I, took him, I took him to a, a, a friend of ours when we were up there. We made friends with a guy who had a catfish pond in his backyard. Mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. Because the kid's catching, you know, five, six-pound catfish. Oh, he ain't leaving. No, oh, he's and, he ain't leaving. He's <laughs> we took about like seven or eight of them home and skinned them up and ate them for dinner. At that's that awesome. point, he's like, I caught I caught dinner tonight. Yeah. And after that, it's that's all he wants to do. He's like, we got to catch fish. We got to have something to eat. Did, yeah. he, did he kick you out? Huh? He's like, no, I, brought, no. I brought home dinner tonight. We're, I don't know where you're sleeping. But yeah, right. <laughs> what did you bring to the table? Yeah. yeah. Will's like, I brought the butter. Uh, I brought the electricity and cooked it. <laughs> <laughs> I cooked it. Till he learns how to make fire. That was like him. That was like him at the long and the long and Scott Farms pond. Oh, that um, was okay. so. Listen to this. We took him. There's at Long and Scott Farms down the road here. They've got a little stock pond up front. You can pay like three bucks to get a little cane pole and let kids fish. Yeah. And uh, there was a grown man over there. My son is, he was five at the time. He's six now. He baits his own hook. He takes his own fish off. He's fully independent coming comes to bluegill fishing. So he's over there. He's catching them, taking them off, throwing them back. He's taking them off for his sister, throwing those back. This man has, this grown man has caught a bluegill. <laughs> That's maybe three inches big, and he's waiting on the the lady who sells the bait and everything to bring him a dang to come take his fish off and throw it back in the water. I told my son, I said, "Hey, go take his fish off for him, throw it back in." So he walks over, he's like, "I got it!" Whoop! Just unhooks it, throws it back in the water, and the guy's like, "Uh, thanks." He comes back over, starts fishing back on his own. <laughs> like, and I just funny. looked at that man like, "Yeah, that child just did that for you." Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. Yeah, you got you got to grow up, but <laughs> yeah. it's just a fish. Yeah. <laughs> So I know that when I'm, so if I'm looking at a spot where I'm going to go hunt, uh, if I'm going to go out of state or a distance from here, I'm pulling up satellite maps and looking mm-hmm. at imagery. Is that something you guys do when you're yeah. fishing? Yeah. So what are you looking for when you're looking at those maps to tell you maybe where you want to start? Well, it really depends on the time of year and the lake. Because everywhere you go in the country is different. You know, different. You got river systems. You got places out here like more swamp um so comes down to time of year you know in the springtime you're looking for areas where they're going to be spawning and then in like more towards the the summer they're going to go deep either deep in the cover shallow or deeper water just to stay out of the heat and then the fall time you look for areas that are you know where the bait is 
Um, and then the same thing, the transition happens again back in the wintertime. So, obviously, like, we can't control when the satellite image was taken. Yeah. So, uh, hold on. So, yeah. I would say I don't want to give anything away here. I don't, I don't think I have. But So, I use a lot of Google Earth mm-hmm. at work. And Google Earth has a feature where I can click on. It just looks like a little clock. I click on it, and I can get every from between now. Well, most of my images are right around 2021 right now. They don't have any 2022. Some places they do, but I can take it from 2021 all the way back to 1985. Yeah, that's only on the desktop, though. Is that? Is yeah. that yeah, 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 yeah. it's only on a desktop, yeah. And it's with... Uh, Google it's Google Pro. Pro, yeah. I have a question That's on why that. It work, is yeah. it by month? Yes. Oh. I mean, it's well, not. It'll it, give you what month it was taken in. That okay, year. but that. I mean, it's still that help. That yes. spawn, pre-spawn, post-spawn, yeah. the middle of well, summer. Wa- that water helps. levels. All, all yeah, that yeah. Stuff. I was yeah. gonna say there's yeah. a lot of there's even times where I've kind of I've been a little slow at work and I've just kind of like looked at lakes and stuff and backed it up. You can see when the water drops down. You mm-hmm. can see structure in certain places when the water was oh, down lower. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't see the water fluctuations too much out here in Florida, but you go yeah. up to like Tennessee or stuff like that. They do a lot of winter drawdowns, so you you can be dealing with 40-foot fluctuations. So depending on what time of year you're there, you know, you can go back and look on satellite imaging, and if the water's up, you can find stuff that is now submerged. And then you can even put waypoints on it and then transfer it to your, yeah, you can your send, units. It's a, you can send a point. Well, I don't, so, I don't know, you can send it to your units? Yeah, you can save it to a heart, like a... Card? Yeah, and then you can insert your, your card. Okay, I know I can send, like, myself... I can drop a point and send myself an email, and it'll take me to that point, but... Yeah. With with my electronics, I can I can do that on my computer, put it onto a microchip, and then take that and plug it into my unit, and then I have all those GPS coordinates, and then I can go there. So, you using Google Earth Pro? Yeah. That's what you're using that. Yeah. What does that cost? Free. Oh, okay. So you're and you're just that's so you're that's one I, that's that's <clears throat> one one tool I use. That's kind of what I was getting at. Is how are you looking at? Because I I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. That would have been a solid tip of the week, but you blew it. There, there's uh, more. There's more to that though. But like, it, I mean, it's not being given away. Like I, I'm saying, Earth Pro will give you a lot more than just. Yeah. Right, but that, so, yeah. so use yeah. it. It works. What I was getting at was like the first step before you ever put gas in the truck to drag the boat. First thing I'm X doing amount is I'm miles. looking on Google Earth Pro. Yeah, to give give me an idea of what vegetation's around on the shoreline, what what kind of fluctuations I'm dealing with with the water levels, and then what kind of structures on the lake. Like on lakes that do fluctuate, you can see what's on the bottom. So. The structure on the bottom is what holds fish, attracts fish, whatever. That's why you see people throw brush piles in the water. People throw a bunch of shit in the water. Uh, but that's the type of stuff you're looking for because bass are ambushers. Right. So they're looking for something to hide in and have bait come over them and they ambush them. So I'm looking for I'm looking for ambush points. Where would something set up to ambush their prey? And so those are the areas that I target. And then when I find those structures, then... I pick a, a bait accordingly to, you know, what what species are in the lake and then try to make that look like an injured fish that's going over an ambush spot and get hit. So to cut down my time, I put all the waypoints of structures that I like to fish, for the style I like to fish, and then do what we call a milk run. 
So you hit this structure, this structure, this structure, this structure, and then see which which one's holding fish. And then you can go back to them, or you can just completely eliminate that area of the lake. So are there some structures that hold fish during certain times of the day? Like maybe some fish sit on a certain structure in the morning and then may move to another structure in the afternoon? Or? Yeah, that's that's all based off weather conditions most of the time and the time of year. Like So you'll see fish that will, in the morning, they'll be more roaming when low light conditions, hunting. And then when the sun, like if you got a bright bluebird day, they're going to go up underneath the dock in the heat of the day to get out of or some piece of structure and hide. But they use low light or darkness to their advantage. So in those situations, they are more likely to be roaming areas. And then when it's sun or super cold, they're going to be tight to some kind of cover for either warmth or so to cool down. In the morning when a fish is roaming, like what are you looking fish? Uh, usually like flats. Flats. Yeah. Somewhere where... And I'm looking for bait. So I'm looking for birds, any kind of activity of life. And then whatever's there in that area is what I, then I try to match with my bait. So sometimes it's frogs, sometimes it's rats, sometimes it's the other bait fish, bass, gizzard shad, it doesn't matter. So then I have baits to imitate each one of those prey species. So depending on where I'm at and what's in that area, that's what I pick. Let's try that's, to imitate I mean, that's still kind of like a lot, a lot like offshore. I mean, you know, you're not, you, you can't see the structure, no, necessarily know where the structure is offshore without your imaging or whatever, but you're still looking for like birds and bait and stuff. You're looking for stuff that they're eating on. Yeah. Or like offshore, the little bit I know about it is, you know, you're looking for humps or big current swings or stuff that's floating that. Yeah. Yeah. Big weed mats. Yeah. Uh, Cuban boat, Cuban homie, Cuban boats, uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever you can find. Uh, gas cans, weed, you know? weed with satellite trackers on them. Yeah, <laughs> a square grouper. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't want to pick that one up. Yeah. <laughs> oh Fuck man, catch charges and shit. <laughs> so, so Jeff moving around the country uses that Google Pro. But I think locally, and it'll come in, I think it'll be huge in Okeechobee. So correct me if I'm wrong, but what what is the majority of your viewers? What level of bass fishing do you think they're at? Oh, I have, I have no idea. There's novice. Probably majority. novice to, you know, avid angler. I, I think that I'm at the avid part where I'm out two, three days a week, you know, nowhere near the pro level. But I'm fishing enough tournaments where I feel comfortable with what I'm doing. Right. So to to kick them into gear to go out and catch more especially on these pressured lakes the one good thing that i found about pressured lakes is youtube oh yeah and that's not a secret but no one uses it and it's funny because we run into people i still run into people that are you know and you try not to give away too much but right. that's not a secret it's youtube if you're willing to put the work in you can catch a whole lot more fish and it's it, like I said, it's funny because we run into people and I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, I stalk you on YouTube. And, and <laughs> yeah. they're like, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I stalk you on YouTube. And they're like, yeah, OK. And they're like, yeah, how could you possibly tell? And I'm like, well, you installed Garmin LifeScope on your boat in June of 2019. And I know the last three videos you posted were pre 
June of 2019. So I know they weren't eating top water this week. You posted an old video. And it, and it kind of like, you're just, you're, you're watching other anglers around you, you know, and I don't think I'm competing against any of those guys aside from, you know, the $40 tournaments. I'm not competing against those same guys. So, it, so it's not really hunting after those guys. It's just getting more knowledge about fishing. Right. And oh my goodness, you could say whatever you want on this podcast. You could call them out by name and they will post a YouTube video next week. Yeah. It's, it's it's incoming info yeah. every single week about what's happening, especially on a chain as pressured as yeah. the one we live on, the Harris chain, because it's every week. And if it's not your locals, if your locals are like, they hear this podcast and they're like, you know what? This dude's watching. Other people are watching. I'm going to stop filming myself on YouTube, which they never will. The MLFs. Right. The Bassmaster Opens. Oh my goodness, the amount of knowledge that I've gotten from watching those guys and its techniques, its tiny little changes to the baits. Because you're fishing around pressured stuff, right? right? So unless you're hiding somewhere you think no one else has been, you're throwing. Yeah, so yeah. My, Jeff just raised his hand. I'm in the same boat. I will jump a dike in my boat to get somewhere you haven't been yet. <laughs> but that speaks volumes though because you're throwing one thing and you're like, man, why are they not eating this? It's the perfect bait, like Jeff described. It's it's perfect for what they want. And you go back and you just YouTube search, what's the last tournament chain or, or, or tournament on the chain? Or what happened two years ago, the same month we're in right now on the Harris chain? And you'll go back and you'll watch people. Well, I cut the tail off. Or I color it orange on the bottom. Or I do this. Or I do that. I pick up so many more bites doing that than I do anything else. So at his level, I think the the, the YouTube definitely comes in. I'm sure those guys are watching YouTube to dissect yeah. what the locals are doing and dissect what other guys are doing. But yeah, I, I I look at everything. I I talk to locals. I I look at YouTube, Instagram, any, any information I can get. I'm I'm doing the research. So, what kind of knowledge are you allowed to have prior to a tournament? Because I've heard so opens. What I'm fishing now, you you got the money, you can play. The elites you have to qualify for. Right. But the level that I'm, like, for the opens, now that I'm fishing these, there's lower level tournaments that I can't fish. What do, wait, Will, what do you mean by that? Do you mean, like, what, I mean what is, info can you get before as a tournament? Far as, as far as a, uh, information to Be, give you before, a competitive edge. Before a tournament? So you're talking yeah. about off-limit times. So right now, for the opens, it's three days before the tournament. You go in the off limits is what they call it. You can't take information from anybody outside that's not competing against you. So I can't get local information, none of that stuff. Prior to that, it's all it's all up for grabs. Okay, so that's that's what I was getting at because I've I've heard the the uh, and, and people with, talk about how you like don't talk to me. I, I can't know this, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. So they're in off limits, and each tournament circuit has their own off limits. Period. Um, once you qualify for the elites or the classic, which is like the World Series of bass fishing or the Masters of Golf, whatever. As soon as you qualify for those and you accept your ticket there, you can't take at that point. You cannot take any information on that lake or those lakes that are going to be on on the schedule. Yeah. Until after you fished them. 
Wow. So, so like the elites will get their schedule towards the end of this year for next year. Once that schedule's released and you are you've punched your ticket to it, any like on that information or on that schedule, you can you you can't get information. It's like from. being on dirty duty for the lake. Basically, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, you know, you'll still have guys that will come up and tell you information, um, which can get you in trouble. But you're not seeking it. Yes, that's that's where the you can't. you're walking in the gray area yeah yeah so i just i usually put out a text message when i go in the off limits to all my friends like i can't talk about anything that's going on with this like from this point to this point right like Hmm. i'll i'll send you you know my weigh-in times and whatnot uh, but i can't take any information on what's going on in this lake from this day and it's usually monday our tournaments are usually thursday friday and championship saturday so usually midnight on you know Sunday night Monday morning is the start of off limits. So is there an out of bounds area when it comes to fishing cuz like you could put in like we talked about Chris putting in at Buzzard Beach. You can put it in Buzzard Beach on Lake Eustis and run to like a the Atlantic Ocean. Wow. If you wanted to. <clears throat> but is there when you're fishing a chain of lakes is there a point at which you're not supposed to go beyond that chain or they'll usually set the boundaries uh-huh. um and then at that point you're it's time management so out on the harris chain uh we launch out of venetian gardens so that's our starting point we can go to a popco we can go to griffin we, we can go to any lake on on that chain but you got to go through the idle zones and then the locks and you right. got to be back by a certain time so if you're going to go to one of those lakes you have to adjust for travel time so you go to a popco or you know potentially griffin depending on how many people are going there you're looking at over an hour right one way yeah so just to get there what i said just to get there yes yeah, so, yeah. so just going there you're losing two hours of, of fishing time yeah, because you, I mean, and then you got the locks, and as long as the locks aren't busy, and then you're, yeah, you have, and there's, there's a lot of variables that are out of your control, so you have to account for that, right, in your, in your strategy. So if you want to make a long run like to one of those lakes, or you know, similar to anywhere you, any of the tournaments I go to, you can make that long run and have less fishing pressure, but you better be on top of your time, right, and you have to catch, you make sure the fish are there because if you go there and oh, it's a waste. Of your yeah, you waste your time. So, so, well, so that's swinging a miss. You you, yeah. you go all you burn all that gas to go up there and, and all that time. And if the fish, you know, you you did, can't put it together, then you fall on your face. Oh, so that's kind of where pre-fishing comes in, right? One hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, I do have a question on that though that I still have not learned. Oh. Yeah. So I've learned it to a certain extent. Like with the old boat, I knew how long it would take me to get back to the ramp from two lakes away. And with a new boat, I kind of know two lakes away. Are you guys at your level fishing for the Bassmaster Open Series or the MLFs, you know, Opens, Toyota Series, whatever? Are you guys, like, if you want to run to a Popco, see how I want to freeze this. So if you're, you know, my bite isn't Lake Apopka. You know the canal time, the lock time, you know, for, for the AB canal, all that good stuff. Are you timing a run? From a popka back to Venetian Gardens. Yes. Okay. So you're a hundred percent like, dude. If I put my yeah. foot on the throttle, depending on high winds, like if I have high winds, Which give is myself all stuff you have to adjust. For. Okay. 
Okay. Because I, I've seen guys do it, and then I've watched live coverage where they go, you know, I got seven minutes. I'm going to pack up and go back and milk run. And they're like, I got two stops before I get back to Venetia. And it, to me, it almost looks like they're like, they're kind of guessing. But in my mind, in a tournament, especially Wednesday night, we got you know, three and a half hours. Well, three and a half hours, you're not... You're gonna go fish for an hour on Lake Apopka. Yeah, you're not even gonna right, it. right, but yeah. not a Apopka. But I'm two well, weeks you... away. I have to time myself because I have to know. I mean, that is the greatest bite on earth is that last hour of light at night. Yeah, those things are eating like no tomorrow because I ain't finna eat for the rest of the night. You couldn't, you right? couldn't even fish a Apopka because the locks are closed. No, uh, special mm. special times the locks are still open. They Do will, they? Yeah, they okay. will open the locks on certain certain nights. But to your point. I still have to time myself. Thing. Yeah. So, so I'm curious at your level. Do you have it written down somewhere? Hey, it takes me 13 yeah. minutes to get back. Yeah. I need to leave at this exact time. Set an alarm on yep. my phone. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then I always, you know, depending on, I, I have, I try to keep track of what, what's my time on a calm day. You know, if I, perfect conditions, that's my time frame. So if, you know, bad weather comes, I add a half hour. Right. Um, and then that just keeps it keeps it simple for me. I, I'll usually, there's there's apps that you can track your run to get mileages and then, you know, how fast you can go. You can, you know, give an estimate of how long it's going to take you without. So you keep like a whole ass notepad. Multiple. That is, that is, that is probably, <laughs> but go, that's a good point though. Is that, I think that's the, that it, like of all the little things that I picked up from you, you know, as we become friends, you know, techniques and, and, and how to, I shouldn't say the biggest thing. Cause the biggest thing I've gotten from you is the mindset. Yeah. Like I said, nobody, you know, I may not be the best at this, but no one's going to outwork me. I'll yep. do this 24 seven. I'll be at work and I'm staring at Google maps. I'm looking at YouTube. I'm watching what these dudes are doing that when I can't be on the water, yeah. the odds that my competitors are on the water are pretty good. Yeah. The odds they want to be on Instagram live are pretty good. Yeah. So I'm watching them, but you don't have to pay to, you don't have to pay to be out on the water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but aside from that, that's where the, that's where the pro- professional anglers are getting screwed. Is, is from that live. Well, just the whole, like, because it's so easy and everybody's trying to be famous and get their name out there that they're just putting video cameras on and you could just watch them. I was going to say, and I've talked to William about that. Cause we, we've talked about like, trying to video more stuff and i was like dude how like we got to figure out the right angles to be able to do stuff and video without giving away where we're at yeah Yeah. and and that's a big point though because social media like i have tried so hard to improve my social media platform and i can tell you that views 10 million times ratio wise to videos than photos we we pretty much We've pretty much got the whole uh, live feed from the duck blind figured out because we yeah. go live from the duck blind all the time. Yeah. You'll have absolutely no idea where we're at. Yeah, but live on the duck that's blind, a, sits a, like yeah, it sits like on the motor and then faces kind of down into the boat. Yeah, it and faces, then you just yeah, watch us straight yeah. down the boat. All you can see is us in the boat. You don't see us shoot anything. You don't. Yeah. Well, you see a shoot, yeah. but you don't ever. You have no idea where we're at. Or I'll put it out uh, on a tree in front of us and <clears throat> have it facing back. To us and behind us, it's looking down at an angle, so all you see is is weeds. Yeah, yeah. One one thing, like because they put a co angler in our boat in each event, that each day you'll have a different co angler. So one of my rules 
is no video cameras uh, just because all the time I put in like these guys just pay three or four hundred bucks and they get a two-day guided trip and they come on with their video cameras and record everything you do and just put it out on social media or give it away to whoever else what about GPS's they do that too they do it with your phone yeah yeah every, I've had guys it's hard it's hard to avoid that now especially with the phones i mean hell i can well, do it with my watch but yeah i wish i wish you could not allow people to have their phones but you can't right you can't do it for safety reasons right um but what they'll do is see a lot with the college kids but i had a guy at my my day one partner at Kissimmee chain this year he was every time i stopped he was on his phone taking taking screenshots of my locations he's actually working with one of the local guides around here i won't give any names but Jeez. it's some shady shit i don't i don't i, I don't approve of it that's yeah that's oh, see, nice I, I know I, will, I won't name names but I, I know a guide personally that is in the northern part of florida and uh, he's a really great guy and he works he, he's saltwater guides but he works hard for what he does yeah and uh, he was telling me a story about a guy that he had was dropping pins like because he's his boat has a tower yeah so he was in the tower and he stopped to fish his spot and he watched the guy drop pin he's like listen you put that phone away right now because if you drop another pin he's like we're going back and you're never coming out on this boat again yeah i can't because like, this is my livelihood he was like you're literally like to you it doesn't seem like anything he's like but to me this is this is how i live yeah. Well, that's one and, thing. And, and the time you have to put in to <clears throat> yeah. like, find those spots. Like, yeah. For my turn to, to around me, Kissimmee, I spent almost four months learning that lake. To me, when it comes to eat, like hunting or fishing or anything, part of the gratitude or the experience is the time that you put in yeah. prior. Like all that work that you put yeah, in makes, cha- makes your success story. Yeah, it makes your success story that much better. Yeah. But it's the instant gratification that we're talking about because they give that info back to someone else and it's hey i'm giving you something i'm giving you a spot yeah, right I'm giving you 20 spots hey the guy dropped or, a 25 yeah, you got 60 pound bag. Like, you got 70 likes on instagram yeah but then, there's yeah. then you have a local guide coming back and running all your taking clients to all your spots that you just spent six months or right. sending or sending to my competitors or sending other professionals that same information before yeah. their tournament but there's a flip side to it too, though, that you've kind of brought into light for me. And that's if you can do it without, you know, marking waypoints or insulting the, the, the angler or the boater in the tournament, that's a really good way to learn new stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, being a that's, co-angler. that's the point of the co-angler position, but with social media, you still have the good co-anglers out there that are doing it right, but you also have those few bad apples that are are ruining it for everybody there's you, you have the the co-anglers that are doing it for the love of the sport and you have the co-anglers that are doing it for the gram yes yeah, yeah. and i think that's the biggest thing though is you're like when you but think they're only about it themselves yeah right that's yeah because when you think you about it you're like i'm gonna go co-angle and let's say i get scott martin on day one you're like i'm not here for me yeah, i, I could care less what my instagram looks like i'm gonna sit in the back of the boat and I think at first I was like, oh, yeah, like every time you brought it up, I was like, oh, yeah, and I could win money. Like the co-anglers can win a boat. They can win money. There's yeah. great prizes on the bigger tours, but it doesn't matter. That's not why you're there. That's yeah. a that's a bonus. You're paying 
three to four hundred dollars, so you're paying less money than the average charter yeah charter guide right. to go out and watch a professional fish. I don't know how like thinking about it that way, and now that I kind of understand it, I'm like, I don't know how you could focus on catching a fish. You should just be watching yeah. what they're doing, what they're looking for. I, you know, and, and eventually I want to do it. I want to. I want to go yeah. either Marshall or co-angle. You just want to watch them and learn, so the, you can make yourself better. The thing is, is that if, if you aspire to be the person that the, you are co-angling with, right? You, yeah, you aspire to be in the front. You would think that you want to spend more time watching. Well, I would say learning why that person chose this spot than trying to remember where that spot was. Because that spot, although you may pull a 10-pound bass out of there, right? Um, it's only on that one specific lake. It, when you go somewhere else, that spot that you saved in your phone. That year, right. It's, it's, it's not, it's not there much. anymore. And that's where you see, that's where they're cheating themselves. They go somewhere yeah. else. And they got nothing. They can't do it from themselves because that's right. how they've learned. They've just learned from t- basically taking other people's information and not asking why or right. understand what they're doing. Right. I'm more there about picking a brain than I am about. Yeah. Yeah. And I I've, I haven't done it, but I I would be remiss to say that they wouldn't tell you why they chose a spot if you were respectful and you kept your phone away the entire time. If you're just watching them fish, you've got how many hours a day in the boat with this dude, if you show respect for them and you don't yeah. get in their way and you're like, Hey, this is your livelihood. This is how you make your living. I'm just here for a weekend, you know, aspiring to be you. I find it hard to believe that a lot of those guys wouldn't pull you under their wing and be like, if you asked them and you're like, Hey, why did you pick this area when the tournament's over and you giving away info would do you absolutely no good. I kind of find it hard to believe that a lot of those guys wouldn't be like, this is what I looked for. Yeah, this most, is most why I went there. It's, it's, it's all about respect, and you know, as a co angler, you're almost like a cheerleader in a sense. Like, because if you're if your pro's doing good, you're the more likely he's going to help you, and you know, because he's feeling good. If he's doing bad, he doesn't want to talk to nobody. He's, he's <laughs> you, you know, and so that's that's another part of co angling that you want to keep your pro as confident as possible on the water because that's going to make him perform the best. And if he's performing his best, you're going to learn the most. Right. Because he's in the zone and you can figure out, you can learn. Well, it's, it's almost a team effort in a sense. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, plus if you like, if you co-angle on the regular, right. And you learn from one guy and you start to learn some stuff, you're, you're better at being a co-angler. Yes longer down the line because you know more yes and you and you should also keep what you learn from that pro to yourself as a a learning experience you know if that pro wants to take you know show you what he's somebody else what you're doing then he'll do it but that's i don't that's not the i think it's disrespectful when somebody gets in the boat and you show them something and then they go off and talk about it because they're if they're with you for day one of the tournament, it's a three-day tournament. Let's say the top, you know, twenty-five or fifty make it to day three. <clears throat> top to, ten. To top ten. In, you know, in your pros. case, okay, okay. So, the the co-anglers are fishing with you day one. And On two, day yeah. two, yeah. Is it the same angler or no? No, it's a different co-angler. So that co-angler go to a different boat and then tell 
you know that pro what what he did the day before. So if you catch yeah, a I, bag, see, I was that I can co- see that being shady. Yeah, yeah, that co could go Absolutely, to somebody else yeah. and be like, hey, we went here. We're but and then and then the boat number. Or they'll put it up on YouTube or social media after the event and right. just like blow out everything you learned because once it gets right. out on social media, every kid out there is throwing the same bait you were, and then right. now they're not. Now every fish is seen in that lake, so that bite's going to die but for a while. I mean, it could get you even spot-wise, because you're not allowed to fish within a certain distance of other anglers, right? Or now, is that not a limit at, where, at the level you're at? Um, The common courtesy is 100 feet. I don't okay. know exactly what the, the You know what I mean? Are. Like, if they fish yeah. with you, and it's a 250 boat event, or 200 boats, let's say it's 200 even, and your boat 155 on day one, Day two comes around, you're, you you drop a 25-pound bag. Does your boat number change the next day or no? Yeah, it, it flip-flops. Okay. So, say if you're first out on day one, you're last out on day two and vice versa. Okay. So, if they co-angle with you on day one and you guys launch it 100, your boat number 100 to leave the ramp, which is huge because who gets to what spots first? Yep. And then on day two, you drop a big bag, and then day two, they go out with somebody else, and they're boat number two. They could they could go to your spots, yeah, and throw and, and yeah, your well, co could that, tell them, hey, he threw this. That's and this is what we caught. That's where the ethics come in on the pro side, but with right, what they're supposed to do. So you, you, yeah, I was gonna say but, that there's a lot of guys that technically you shouldn't listen to that and go steal that guy's spot, but but you're also competing. And, and we've talked, yeah. we've talked about it though, where you have like you idolize these people on social media and you follow these guys. I've got one in particular that I follow religiously that this past weekend came in and threw directly on top of me direct. I mean, I mean, came in from 75 yards out casting. I'm unhooking fish, you know, trouble hooks are dug. And I think I had like four hooks and one fish and I'm digging them out with pliers. And the dude comes in and is just within 10 foot of the boat. Yeah. That wasn't right. My, my professional rule, my- level, like the highest, of levels professionally fishing this guy does not have a nine to five i'm out pre-fishing for my weekly tournament i'm already in a spot i'm not moving i haven't moved troll motors on spot walk have moved in an hour sitting on the same spot i've had 10 bites and here you are you're just gonna come in and cast right on top of me. hey you ain't gotta tell me man i know how them them daggum bass fishermen can be and i even got a ba- duck fishing pole i got a shotgun yeah oh uh, we have we, <laughs> it, it, they're, they're, they're bad i don't there's a whole everybody that's coming up has missed the whole ethic class. Yeah. I would say it, there, there's been many times like duck hunting where like, you know, you're hidden category yeah. though. Well, same you, problem. You know, you're hidden, right? But you're not so hidden that somebody else can't. I mean, there may be times where you're so hidden, but you can at least stand up and be like, Hey, Keep like, moving. you know, those are and obviously, we th- those are obviously him. like fake. There's like yeah. 35 fake ducks right there. Yeah. And, and the guy's been there like, since, Oh no, no, no. We're, you know, I'm, Fishing, bro. Sorry. I think my birthday a couple of years ago, we were sitting on an Emerald Marsh. Yeah. Oh, if, yeah, yeah. If you were listening and you've hunted Emerald Marsh, <laughs> you feel no sympathy for us talking about fishing on top of someone because you're that getting in there boat. at 2 a.m. and you're sitting in a spot. You hang a headlamp so they know where you are. These are ducks. You're using shotguns. No, they don't travel a mile, but if you're within 20 feet of me, you're wrong. And these dudes will come in and set up directly next to you and you're like are you kidding me and then you go to pick up you're like i'm frustrated it's 10 a.m jordan's still asleep with all the shotgun (laughs) shells going (laughs) off i've shot 
45. I do remember I showed up to Chris's house. He's like, you need me to drive? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> don't, don't worry. My shotgun's in my dad's safe. I won't wake him up. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> it did not work out so well. But but still, I mean, like, we got to leave. And so, so it's a good I, point. I, I would say with with that, my, like, general rule is you're, if I can cast in your butt, you're too fucking close. Oh, yeah. Same thing, I guess, with a with a shotgun or a duck blind. If, if I could hit you with my shotgun, you're too fucking close. Well, well, thing, I was so, talking more so about, like, because, you know, it, it's it's public water, right? Yeah. So, but with bass fishermen and duck hunters. Yeah. There's so, There's been a lot of times where I've had people fish in my spread. I'm yeah, like, they, those are obviously fake duck, bro. Yeah, like, they, they shouldn't do that. Yeah. I, I've had that <clears throat> same experience. You're there. They pull up, and you're like, I know this guy knows we're here. He's literally just on the outside of those decoys, and he's got our his back facing to us so he can act like he doesn't know we're here. And then you stand up, and you're like, hey, hey, bud, we're, we're hunting right here. And then they either, A, completely ignore you, like they just can't hear you from 20 yards. Well, it's pretty hard to not hear a shotgun blast. Yeah. Well, well especially or, bass fishermen, when you're, you're literally keyed into every tiny little thing. That or not on the see water. the massive amount of fake ducks. On yeah. The right. Yeah. Or or they turn around and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. I'm fishing. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, well, I'm going to let you know. I'm, I'm not going to shoot you. Yeah. Uh, but if we get past ducks to your left or right where we have a safe shot, we're taking that, taking that shot. Yeah. Talk about people getting upset when you shoot. I'm fishing. I'm like, dude, I told you. Well, I have been here since one in the morning. That's okay. where a, <laughs> a warning courtesy shot would probably solve yeah. the problem. Yeah, yeah. Not in their direction. Uh, yeah. But, but, yeah, I mean, we talked about that. Yeah, that just kind of goes to a big hole and, and like sharing the water. Yes. Yep. Sharing, Re- it, sharing it with other. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the question is, how to me, is how do you deal with it on the bigger level? Because I texted you immediately and was like, I can tell you, I left out of that spot on plane immediately. I was not happy. I didn't say a word. I didn't really know who it was, but I recognized the boat. Yeah. yeah. And I knew, man, I've seen that somewhere, and I, I don't want to burn a bridge that I might need later. Right. right. Let's say this takes off, and I and I want to fish professionally. I don't want to burn a bridge, and that guy be like, man, the only thing I remember that about that guy is he created a three-foot wake next to my butt. I, I don't know. Right. But I leave, and I text him, and he's like, that's unacceptable. And I'm like, I agree, but had it been anyone in a non-wrapped boat, I feel like I'm well enough known fishing that often on the hair stand that I could have said something to anyone else, and they've probably seen me out before, and they would have been like, you know, my bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally. They're throwing a bait. It's not like they're throwing into an area. They're throwing into a school that I have fired up. Yeah. I figured out which bait they're eating, and I'm now catching. I've just gotten to the point of catching, and you're you're going to come in and throw on top of me and, and ruin what I've got. It was, it's just how do you deal with it on the major level? Because Emerald and Marsh, those are all locals, you know. Yeah. I was I actually saw a post on Facebook the other day where a, uh, it was a I don't know at, at what range he was in, but he had posted something about having been a professional bass fisherman for so long, and he was like, I'm done with it. Yep. So I'm done fishing because nobody has ethics anymore. Yep. He's like I, I like he's like I took the wrap off my boat and I fished a tournament with no wrap. And he was like, and dudes in wrapped boats were pulling up and fishing on top of me. They're like, oh no, I'm just I'm professional bass fishing. I'm and that's a number I'm fishing, that's a number I'm, I'm one reason, the locals. right? Yep. The number two, number three, yep. all the way to twenty reasons are we talked about earlier. Are you going to buy spots from people? 
Are you going to pick, you know, take that advice from the co-angler when ethically you shouldn't? There's a lot of stuff yeah. ethically wrong. I think a big part of that everybody's is the, missed the ethic class. Yeah, yeah, at all, at all levels. That's you know comes back to respect. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, everybody's missed the ball on that. Well, I mean, this you're morning, no lo- I feel like you're no longer a sportsman at that point. Yeah, this morning no, with a five-year-old in the boat. Yeah, a five-year-old in the boat this morning. We pull into the bridge, same spot. I mean, community hole. We yeah. pull up to the bridge, and the kids like, "This is this is where we're fishing." And I said, "No, turn the boat around. There's already someone here. Yeah. He got here first. It's his spot until he leaves. Yep. We literally cruised around the lake. He wanted to go fast. So we cruised around the lake for 20 minutes. We drove back by. Dude's still sitting there. You know what? We're going to go find somewhere else. Yeah. I've probably but, fished that spot a hundred times more than that one guy had because I've never seen his boat. doesn't matter. I'm not going to go fish on top of him. Even with a kid in the yep. boat, the ethics of it are absolutely wrong. Well, what they're, but, what they're teaching in high school and college is you just go. Right. Like it's... You get there, like, if there's somebody there, just knows your way in. And I don't think that's right. And that's that's, I, get, that's getting a, taught at all yeah, levels. I, there was a term for that growing up, but I won't use it on the podcast. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> the whole the whole thing is, is, though, but an ask goes a long way. Yes. You, yeah. if, if, if that same bass fisherman who sat on the outside of our dust decoys and, and was fishing, if he'd have rolled up and said, hey, man, I see. Hey, do you got? Do you mind if I fish off your right side over here? The the fish usually bite pretty good in this corner. I just said, no, man, go ahead. We'll shoot straight and left. We'll stay out yeah. of your way. Go ahead. Yeah. But the whole to roll up and ignore that I'm there, yeah, or the air, and it goes. Arrogance. Yeah, the same yeah. thing goes when when you got a, another duck hunter like in the marsh. When the guy rolls up, and he's like, man, dude, it's I, I showed up late. I don't have anywhere to go, and I've, I've usually hunt here. Do you mind if I hunt with you? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's tie nose to yeah. nose, make one. Yeah, tie time. the boats up and let's go together, bro. We'll slam yeah. them. Yeah. But, but the pro <laughs> is the same you thing. Think, you think I got a lot of deeks. Let's throw your deeks out and see yeah. how big that's yeah. is now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, you're a great point, though. With that pro, didn't say a word. Yeah. And it's uh, the old boat, I could get away with it. A little fishing ski. Maybe they think I'm crappie fishing. You know, maybe they, <laughs> maybe they think I'm sun fishing. Like, they don't know. You know what I mean? But when you're in a... You're in a boat that's specifically made for bass fishing with electronics on it, 10 rods out on the deck. You're unhooking a bass, and you don't say a word to me. You're practicing. You're practicing the same as I am. I get it. You do it for a living. Had he said, hey, man, I really need to pre-fish this. I got a tournament coming up. It's major. You know, I'd love to win. Do you mind if I fish through past you? I probably would have said, no, I don't care. That's cool. I probably would have been like, oh my goodness, you're the guy I follow online. That's awesome. Can I get a, you know, a photo with you or something? I've done that a hundred times where guys are polite. Yeah. Didn't say a word. That's a, that's a great point. Courtesy goes a long way. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Back to respect. Same thing. So I know you guys, uh, uh, Chris had kind of filled me in on an idea you guys had had. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh-oh. Which idea is that? <laughs> there's, there's, there's a bunch of them floating around. Sounds like there's been had some beers had in Chris's shop. And it's, yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, he's building a new bar. So we're yeah. talking. Shoot, the old bass the bar. We need to do yeah. a podcast out of there when it's done. So. Hey, I'll, yeah. I'll drag all this crap over there. And do right, a I'll help you. Uh, but the, uh, let's see, what was it? Veterans and yep. fishing. and Yep. Yep. So one thing we're trying to do is build a program where we can get veterans on the water. Um, I had a program back in San Diego for the last five or six years. Um, any veterans that was interested in fishing, whatnot, I'd come and do seminars for them. 
take them out fishing and then at the end of the year we'd hold a big tournament for all the guys that you know came through the seminars and stayed with the program you have your sponsors give out um prizes for the winners and i'd get you know a bunch of local bass anglers to donate their time to take one or two veterans out and show them how to compete and the way i did it was it was just a one fish tournament so whoever you know caught the biggest fish got the, the big fish yeah got first place and but each veteran got something i say i feel like that's that's huge too because like having known like chris and will and i know a bunch of other people that were in the military that you know not only is is the outdoors like a release yes therapy but then having being able to spend time with with like-minded folks yeah right you, you miss you miss the the time with those people the methodical nature of fishing same as like archery and other things that, that actually requires a lot of concentration. Yep. Casting to hit one spot, making sure you're working the bait the proper way, so on and so forth. It's it's repetition. It's and it's, with with the idea of the the unknown, the possibility of a giant reward on the other end. Right. It adds to it the, the excitement in that. But the the. Or you can keep it as simple as just going bluegill fishing. There's with fishing yeah. being out in the outdoors. There's something for everybody at any level, from the beginner to you know way down the rabbit hole. But what I what I was getting at is is the methodic rhythm with which you have to fish sometimes to be successful. You almost have to tune everything else out. Yes, and concentrate solely on fishing. Yes, and that allows the mind to shut off all the other worries of the world and then you that's where you find that outlet yep right there because when you're fishing the only thing that matters is right fishing now. yeah well and what's crazy is that like he kicked the idea around when we first met and it's kind of it's kind of stirred for the last year year and a half where you know he's been fishing with professionally in his career and has been busy um but as, as we've moved on you're like you talk to dudes you talk to dudes that are getting out, you know, getting out of the service. And you, you mentioned a program earlier already that already does that. So Tin the first can. thing, yeah. So they, so they, and there, there's, dude, there's a bunch more. Um, right. They're, there, they're there's everywhere. a bunch more. The problem is number one, you talk to better, like certain veterans and you talk to them and they're like, I didn't know that existed. Right. Number two, you're like, you can never oversaturate that market where you give back to veterans for free. There cannot be too many of those programs. There, it's, it's you know what I mean. You could say like, well, there's these programs and those programs. There can never be enough of them because you're you're gonna not. reach out to the right one. Like just the class that we graduated with, dude. What were there like eight or nine of us that all joined the military within a year to two years right after we graduated? Oh, I went immediately after, but I think you were right behind me. Me, you, Briar. Uh... Uh, but Justin wasn't in your class, but Justin was in high school, y'all, wasn't he? So uh, I did. Justin, Ian, I, we, Michael, yeah, yeah, yeah J- Justin and Mike Dixon, both both of them. There's a big group of us. So in a group of that, you're like, okay, maybe one or two of them have heard about these other programs one time and been mentioned. There's not a bunch of them that I'm aware of that are here locally on the Harris Chain, Central Florida, you know, 
Kissimmee chain, Donald Toho, or even Okeechobee, or where he's at, he's got the reach to be in North Florida or be in South Carolina the or South. be in Georgia, the, right. the entire Southeast. And the West Coast. So it's almost one of those things where you're like, you get the idea of it, and you're like, right. man, there's there's already a couple of programs out there. And then you're like, it doesn't matter. Let, let's do it anyways and see how many veterans we can help do it. I want to say with Jet, with, with what, with the reach that you have, that, that could almost become like a national thing. Yeah. So here, here's an idea, and but it's a lot. It's a lot to run. Too much. Too much for one person. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, you have to. It has to be yeah. a whole organization. Yeah. You, you yeah. got to have leads across the U.S. But the, the way to start it, I, I think, is right here. Is, is absolutely. You start off with an idea. You kick an idea around. You both agree on it. You have a veteran involved. You reach out. You get more veterans involved. You get more friends involved. They're in the outdoors. You reach out to a smaller, you know, company that's that's jumped off already, like Under Pressure Outdoors, and you're like, hey, let's get the word out about it. Um, and I think that's how it starts. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about reaching out to uh, the Bassmasters? That's what you bet. Yeah, I, I fish with Bassmasters organization. What do you think about reaching out to those guys? Um, they would they would probably be supportive. Well, what I, I was what I was going to say is is get the veterans in at a discounted or a free rate. Not all obviously you have to have a certain allotted amount of spots as co anglers. Go ahead, write that down. You yeah, yeah, write it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could I could talk to the tournament director because that's that's one way suit, that's yeah. one yeah. way to start pushing that, that out there. Right, fantastic idea. And if you can do it with the prospect of pushing. You know, so free what? spots on the co anglers. Yeah, if you yeah. Got, if you got fifty, let's let's shoot for you five. Two, you got two hundred fifty. Okay, so you shoot five or ten. You know, yeah, ten. I think it's absolutely doable. Right, you get ten of those spots free. They're open to vets. They can all they, they register at an online. And it's not you're you're not and it's at that draw. point. I don't think you're really hurting mm-hmm. the the winnings no, pot. Not. No, they're, you know yeah, what I mean. They're getting a big enough percentage. They yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. that's, yeah. that's a great idea. Well. Yeah, get those guys out there because then now you're you're literally taking the. Uh, it, it's kind of a, a stressor to have a boat to take all these guys. All set. Well, now you're spreading that out amongst everybody who wants to fish a tournament. Yeah, right. right. So now you you've got. But behind that, I think you push what we're doing. So you get a hundred guys that put in for those five spots. Only five of them get it. Hey, guess what? You other ninety five. We have a program. Absolutely. If you're willing yeah. to come down, we'll find you a place to stay. We. That's one thing that, that Jeff has been amazing about as a network right this guy networks with you know with with everyone because of the the passion of fishing it is almost like you guys have with the outdoor community it's a huge family we'll find you a place to stay you come down we'll put you on a boat doesn't matter if it's his boat my boat someone else's boat we'll find you a boat you didn't make it into the Bassmaster series because of the numbers draw come down and fish with us we'll, we'll host we'll, you know a, a kick around tournament that's free to the veterans the other guys get in, they get competitive. It's a one fish tournament. However, we decide to lay it out, you know, we'll leave that up to Jeff, but it's, it's a good time. It's, it's a release, like you said, and you can push it behind that, those free spots with Bassmaster if they agree. Yeah, you, you get a website up and running and then you approach Bassmasters with that and oh. you take on the weight of doing the draw. And now you, you are in a centralized location but your organization allows to re it, it, it immediately gives you a national reach because the Bassmaster tournament, they happen everywhere in the U S yeah. yeah. So but they're, now, but they're not yeah. worldwide. Yeah. But, so here's something I want to give you for your notepad that we have learned the hard way. As soon as you come up with the name for your organization, 
buy a domain. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Before Be- you say <laughs> tell anybody. About yes, it, yeah. because yeah. It, it will it will immediately get up, bought up by a domain site and you will pay quadruple for that domain. Just to use the name. Yeah, yeah I'll just tell you, use your name. What when, a world. when you go to try and, and buy your website after you've put it out there somewhere, uh, and you like go to GoDaddy, you're like, oh, well, we don't have .com, but we have .org, but for $200, we could probably get you .com. You know why they tell you that? Because GoDaddy owns your .com. Somebody's already bought .com and they're trying to... Yeah. That's why we don't own underpressureoutdoors.com uh, because uh, Wix owns underpressureoutdoors.com and I'm not wow. paying but yeah. yeah. I don't blame you. Yeah, buy your domain name before you ever release it anywhere. That way you, you have that. And it's cheap. I mean, it's you know, 50 bucks for yeah. a year or something like Unless that. Unless you say it and then it goes up to like five grand. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. learned that mistake already. <laughs> but Man, we, we've been at it for an hour and a half, and I really hope you're – I want to see your organization take fire. That that little yeah. that little nonprofit or whatever, whatever you want to open it as, and yeah. I want to see that catch fire. Yeah, I, I think we're going to run it as a nonprofit is the, is the goal because we're not trying to make money off of veterans for it. Right. Um, but it is also a business, so we'll have to get funding from somewhere. And well, just, you know, with a nonprofit, you can get grants yeah. and everything yeah. else, and which I talked to Chris about that yep. the other day. And I think a big part of that is, is having you guys – to help, I mean, obviously, me and you had the same job when we were in the military. You know, same kind of path, same kind of career path coming out. I think you guys will be huge helping spread the word on that stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's big with the podcast, listening to the podcast. If you have questions, comment, message these guys, ask them for details. Even before we're up and running, we will find a way to get you out on the water. If you're a veteran, yeah. reach out, please, to Under Pressure Outdoors. They will get in touch with us. And we will make sure we get you out on the water sometime this summer. And, the, and even if they have questions, yeah, absolutely. Just started or it, it doesn't matter if they got questions. Just you know, I'll, I'll leave my number with you guys, and yeah. they can text me or reach out on social media. We'll, we'll put some some social media links and stuff in the in the podcast description so they can find you and ask questions yeah. uh, of you directly. Well, you guys got to let us know when you get that organization off the ground because, as we discussed earlier, we're always looking for somebody to raise some money for yeah absolutely we'd love to have you guys as a as a uh, your organization to to raise some money if you guys at one of our events yeah and uh, it's one of the things we love doing we have our you know our crawfish balls and pig roasts and stuff like that we're always giving away some sort of yeah we need to do more of those goodies those are fun they are a lot of fun <laughs> they Especially they're fun the pictures they're fun <laughs> but they're a pain in the butt yeah. to organize but the, yeah. but it all it all you know evens out in the end because yeah. it's uh stressful leading up to it and we get there the day of and it's really a lot of fun yeah but let's roll on to the tip of the week who wants to go first i'm gonna go first i'm gonna say whatever you're getting into don't shy away from using your roots Right, like we talked a lot in fishing. There's so much technology out these days, but your roots in fishing matter just as much as the technology that you have now. Or anything you do. Yeah. So I'm going to jump on there and say, uh, like I like stated earlier, an ask goes a long way. Yeah. When it comes to, I, I get it. Like shit happens. You show up late or you have no idea what you're doing fishing and you're just trying to catch a fish, man, before you get right on top of somebody, just ask. Yeah. I was say that, I feel like that kind of goes along with respect is earned. 
Yep. Right. Right. If Not you giving. show me respect, I'm going to show you respect. We have to give respect to get respect. Yeah. Correct. I think uh, for for the for the tip wise, I'd say regardless of what you're doing, whether it's fishing, hunting, you know, small game hunting, big game hunting, use the resources you have available. I think so often they're gone, you know, unused. We mentioned a few of them tonight in the fishing realm with Google and YouTube. It's out there. The the tools you need now are as easy to get to as ever, but you've got to use them. So use some of the tools that we gave in the podcast tonight uh, to reach out to and, and try to improve your game, whether it be hunting or fishing or whatever you're into. Yo, you dropped some knowledge bombs on me with that Google Earth Pro stuff. <laughs> yeah, Chris, I think you stole Jeff, one of Jeff's there. <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> I don't think Jeff was ready to give up YouTube yet. I was like looking yeah. at him. I was like, here, here we go. I forgot one. <laughs> I didn't that's, forget one. I'll say that's why when I brought up Google Earth, I was like, oh, I don't know like what kind of territory I'm stepping in here, but I know what kind of power this thing has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, mine, mine would be kind of all of yours put together, and that just goes back to the simulation. You know, do your homework before you go get into anything that you do and be respectful and have fun and stay humble and don't get arrogant or cocky. That would be my tip. Don't let the gram go to your head. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. You know, what's funny is, is we talked a lot about social media and stuff like that and we try to have a social media presence, but I am absolutely terrible about taking photos. Yeah. Because I like the last place I want my phone when I'm experiencing a memorable moment is in front of my face. Yeah. Cause but, you're, you're, you're looking at your phone and not the experience in front yeah. of you. Not only that, but like how long have I known Jeff and I'm sitting here listening to like every little thing right. he says. And I'm like, man, how is this going to improve me? Like you said, you're thinking about like, Oh, we get a picture of this or whatever, yeah. but you're so immersed in, the experience that all you guys have outdoors yeah. and i'm like man i can soak up so much while oh, it's, I'm here. it's just yeah. a, it's just a power of information even for right. a podcast yeah. i mean right. i have learned more about fishing in the last 130 episodes or whatever yeah. than i have in my entire life just yeah. talking to different people and i've learned stuff about i mean i've been i've been hunting for 27 years that's the power of the podcast though yeah. and but that's- Everybody has something else to offer. And I find myself every time I'm like, yeah, I know. I know what this guy's going to talk about. Like, I've done this quite a bit. We sit down and we're talking. I'm like, oh, shit. I thought about that. Yeah. Yep. I I honestly, like, not not necessarily the social media thing, but especially when we go out places, I try to get pictures. Because for me, like, the pictures that I'm able, I, I just, I, I enjoy the photography itself. So the pictures that I'm able to get, I want people to get the same, the emotions that I felt while I was there, I want to be able to take pictures yeah. and make somebody else that sees that picture feel the same emotion that I did looking at that, whatever I was you know, taking a picture of. Yep. I want to tell the story. So yep. spoiler alert, if you see photos on her Facebook, chances are Jordan took it. <laughs> I mean, that's I feel like you circle back to another good tip though. Take take the moment to take the picture because how many yeah. how many hours do we spend on the water together or like or separated where we're both fishing and we'll take you know a, a single photo to show the fish, the bait that was yeah. caught on, the time of year, so we remember later. But very very seldom do we stop focusing on the fishing to take a picture of where we're at. Yep. what yeah. we're doing you know in bass fishing and outdoors in hunting you know any any outdoor activity you do 
you are immersed in some of the most beautiful landscapes Absolutely. that you will ever see that not a lot of other people that you talk to get to see that on a daily basis. How often do you share it? Bro, and that was one thing that, I mean, it's a little off topic, but it's kind of what we're talking about, that I told William about our, our canoe trip we just went on. I said, dude, I did literally this same exact path last year, and I'm seeing stuff this year that I never noticed last year. Right. Like you're able to just anywhere you could fish or hunt or whatever. That's beautiful, dude. Yeah. You could That's, fish yeah. or hunt or, or, or hike anywhere. You could do it week after week and see a different beautiful site every time. And and it's not a bad thing to take a step back. Like if you're out in nature, you know, if you see something cool, like like I just showed you like a sunset or something that take the time and, and capture it. But there's that happy medium you're trying to find with technology and yeah. your, you know, non-technology yeah. in a sense, your roots. I would say I'm, I'm not, when I take a picture, I'm not taking a picture for the gram, yeah. you know what I mean? Or per you're, se. You're capturing a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is good. I'm, I'm more so trying to capture the emotion in the moment than the moment itself. Yeah. Well, Chris, it's it's finally good to get you back in the studio. You don't have to be a stranger, man. You can you can just yeah. pop in. Swing on the invite. Man. Swing <laughs> on the invite. We got the, we got the we got the boat decked out in under pressure outdoor gear now. So we'll we'll drop some some soon on Chris Mac fishing on Instagram. So look out for that, and we'll be back. We'll do another podcast. Especially, I hope this will be a good you know a good outlet for us yeah, to, to reach out and help veterans and and try to get more people on the water to experience those sunsets we're talking about. Yeah. So we'll we'll link uh, the Chris Mac fishing down there in the podcast description. And, and Jeff, I really appreciate you joining us and dropping some serious knowledge on everybody. Yeah, thank uh, you for having me. About the time. professional bass fishing circuit. And uh, well, how can people find you? Um, you got to have social media of some sort. I'm, yeah, I'm the only social media I have currently is Instagram. And you can find me on there at Baller Fishing. Uh, it's spelled B-A-U-L-E-R, fishing. You guys can ask me any questions you want. Send me a personal message. We'll link that down in the podcast description so it's even easier to find. You just click on the link and uh, you'll be able to get a hold of Jeff and ask your fishing questions and see what he's up to. So we'll catch you guys next week. Jeff, Chris, thanks for joining us. It's been a great podcast. It's great having you guys. Thank you for having us.